Friday, final hour of the week on Cofield and Company. Big weekend on the way. We're tracking the NHL. We're watching NBA. First and foremost, the NFL draft. We are officially through 42 picks. 42 picks. Normally, I would just stand up, walk away, and then throw something when the New York Jets, my Jets, are up at 43. I am donning, I believe this is a Bruce Coslett Jets hat from the early 90s. I'm going to tell you one issue with it, and if you want to see a picture of my sweet hat, you can go up to Twitter, ESPN Las Vegas on Twitter. Our vast social media crew took a picture of Caleb Herring and I. Caleb is here. I look like I'm yelling or I'm intense about the Michael Mayer pick. I'll be truthful. It's actually the fact that, you know, as hats get older, the wiring comes loose. Yeah. My scalp is being raked by <laughs> little spiky metal, and I'm there is going to be blood pouring all over my microphone <laughs> in the next couple of minutes. It's it's not good, but I don't have – I don't – oh, I do have a backup hat. I might have to switch to the backup hat after the Jets make the pick. Yeah. You because I, I'm, I'm in excruciating pain right now. Only a Jets fan would endure what you're well, enduring. Well, <laughs> it's been two hours, too, and I was like, I didn't feel it at first. <laughs> but, my God. Is it tender? Uh, I don't know. I, I You know, I, I forgot with older hats – you know, I basically I have them hanging around the house because you know I'm yeah. very much uh, all about you know making the house look really good, and we have a decorator come in and do it now. I just I have pushpins all over the place of hats <laughs> on the wall, and uh, I was like, let me throw on the the '91 Jets hat, and boy, it's. I hope they make a good pick here. I hope this is worth it. Uh, well, they went defense right with their first pick, so it's like Aaron Rodgers is already pissed off and he wants out, like right now, right? A- another team that's not willing to draft offensive weapons for me, right? That's the Aaron Rodgers way. But, no, I think Jets fans all in all, regardless of what happens with these draft picks, are going to be satisfied with what happened this offseason. Uh, no, I'm, I'm thrilled. These last two days I'm thrilled. One, uh, I think some people feel like they got ripped off because they offered a conditional first next year. But if the conditional first has to be delivered, it means that Rodgers had a healthy and probably a pretty good year. Yeah. I doubt he's going to play because it's based on 65% of the snaps. If he sucked or the Jets sucked, I don't know. If, I don't even know if he gets to the sixty-five. Um, the biggest thing for me was not giving up a first this year. They, right. The Jets. Listen, now their win totals at nine and a half. I I really believe he does improve them at least a couple of games, but I still think this current form was about a seven-win team. They over. They really they overachieved last year. Their schedule right. gets tougher this year. Mm-hmm. So I, I wasn't looking at it this year like, yeah, you, you know, they've got to they've got to get someone and they have to win 10 or 11 games. Like, I don't even know if they're going to do that with Rodgers. But keeping the first-round pick, and I hope the dude they got out of Iowa State is going to be – they've had a really kind of lousy recent history with smaller defensive play, kind of edge rusher linebackers. Right. But I hope in this case Will McDonald before it turns out from Iowa State. It scares me a little bit that Mel Kuyper loved him. Are you showing me some breaking news? What's going on? I, I believe that the Jets' pick is in. Okay. They they've switched the TV channels here as the Warriors Sacramento Kings oh, game right, has gone live. Hey, Mateo, so, can we work on that? So they've switched this, the draft off. So, I don't I don't know that we need to see this baseball game up here. They did. You're right. They did switch it. Yeah. So we were unaware. Yeah, we Jets thought we were an extended commercial break. So the Jets have picked. Okay. So an offensive pick. 
I like this. I, I was looking for an offensive lineman for the New York Jets in the first round, but there was a run on tackles, and if you remember, the Steelers, I think it was the Steelers, uh, yeah, jumped in up. front of the Jets to pick before, and they took Roderick Jones, who the Steelers, check that, the uh, Jets may have been selecting. Um, so let me just give you the last couple of picks. If you're tuning in in the 5 o'clock hour here, Michael Mayer went 35th to the Raiders. Uh, Sam Laporta, another tight end, went to the Lions right before that. Uh, Rams took an offensive lineman. Seattle got Derek Hall. Atlanta got an offensive tackle in Bergeron from Syracuse. Uh, Carolina took Johnny Mingo, wide receiver. Isaiah Foskey, who is, we watched up close. My God, what a specimen at 6'5 and 265. He's going to uh, Derek Carr Saints. The Cardinals took Ojolari from LSU. And the Packers actually went tight end. You thought the Packers should have gone tight end in the first. Yeah, I thought Mayer. they would at 13. And I, I thought it because you have a young quarterback, Jordan Love, who although they're all the rave about Jordan Love all of a sudden now that Aaron Rodgers is out of the building. Like he's he's been developing. He's great. He's ready for this moment. He's going to be the next big thing. All of this is coming out now that Aaron Rodgers is gone. I've I've been a long believer that the tight end is a quarterback's best friend. And so I would have, if I was the Packers, been eager to go help him um, with uh, that tight end pick with Michael Mayer. That's where I thought Michael Mayer would go, but obviously uh, there's something in his evaluation process that made him the third tight end taken in the draft. But the Packers, like you said, go out and get a tight end from Oregon State and Mosgrove um, and Joe Tipman, center from Wisconsin. Now, Wisconsin is an offensive lineman factory. They've had surprisingly he's six six three seventeen right so he not surprising that's, uh, every Wisconsin lineman yeah. is just made from the same mold he's right up the road so he's familiar with the region as far as cold weather and and being uh, you know a Midwest guy so kind of fits the mold uh, for Green Bay or for the Jets I mean excuse me oh you did the whole Midwest I did the whole thing. Midwest East thing. He's, he's okay with cold weather we'll just leave it yeah that. he's okay with cold weather so uh, obviously Aaron Rodgers will have some protection. Right, he's 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 a guy that at his size can probably be in the rotation. Maybe or, not or, necessarily. Or at will he complain? Yeah, I was going to say if he actually did if he did move over to center, <laughs> I mean, he's a guard center prospect. Right. So. In, in any case, they needed offensive line help because they've they've drafted offensive linemen consistently. If these guys could ever all stay healthy, right, it'd be wonderful. That'd be great. And so I think keeping Aaron Rodgers upright. Um, I, somebody was saying it earlier that his. His uh, under-pressure rating for the first time in his career was really bad. Aaron Rodgers last season where he was under pressure a lot, first of all, in Green Bay last year. And his completion percentage while under pressure was like bottom half of the league, which is just crazy to think about for Aaron Rodgers being in the bottom half of anything. Um, But obviously when he's not under pressure, he's still one of the tops in the NFL. So for the Jets and this thing to work out with an aging Aaron Rodgers, he's got to be upright. He's got to be protected. Um, so I think going offensive line is a good pick for the Jets. So, I, again, Jets fans should be satisfied with the way this offseason has gone to this point. Uh, coming up, another Packers pick, Patriots, Commanders, Lions, Steelers, and then the 50th pick, which is Tampa Bay. To recap, the early part of the second round, uh, we made a bet. You know, it's funny is I don't even think Caleb wanted to make it, but I forced him to make it. Uh, <laughs> over under 43-and-a-half pick for Will Levis, and uh, he went with the second pick in the second round as there was a trade-up to go grab him. And the Titans grabbed him. So Levis is off the board. Hendon Hooker is still on the board. Uh, the Colts have just made a pick with a cornerback uh, out of Kansas State in Brents. So that's where we are right now. 44 picks. Packers are up at 45. So on the 55-plus TVs here, we've got a couple of hockey games. Big night in the NHL. Islanders down 3-2. 
in the series. Up one nothing in the second against Carolina. Florida, 2-1. Five minutes left in the first. Bruins did not sweep this one. They ah. didn't win it 4-1. It's 3-2. Gentlemen so sweep. Florida. You know, the gentleman sweep. I like that. Yeah. We watched the gentleman sweep last night. Uh, by the way, Dallas and Minnesota coming up at 6.30. That is a 3-2 series with the Stars leading. And then Seattle trying to pull the upset on the Avs, leading, going into a home game. They're leading the series 3-2. Boy, the gentleman's series or sweep. The 4-1 victory in the series, that was really boring last night. It was. I mean, it was good hockey right. through 11 minutes, um, no, about nine minutes into the second. But at 4 nothing, I think yeah. they freaking broke the spirit. And which is, it's, it's a shame. It, it's a shame for the, the fact that you, wa- you like to watch good games as a fan of just any, you know, seven-game series especially. You don't want, you don't like the first-round sweeps. Um, but for the way that the series started for the Knights, I know as Knights fans, Game one had us all, like, worried. Like, it was like, wait a minute. Mark Stone's return was not very good. We did not look like an energetic playoff team in that first game. Then you got to a couple games that were tight. You know, we had the big leads, ended up going to double overtime. So some good, exciting hockey that we came out on top of, which is, you know, always good to win those close games. But then an uneventful elimination game kind of was just like, meh. You know, maybe we've rounded into shape, and now we're, we're ready to go for either the Kings or Edmonton, right? So it's like... I don't know, just an uneventful elimination game, kind of quietly passed by. And maybe it's because this time of the year, with the draft pending, with NBA playoffs in full swing, you don't really mind missing or not being excited about that round one elimination, that gentleman sweep. Now in the second round, things will intensify, obviously. Um, but still, there's there's a crowded room as far as what you're consuming right now. It's a great time for sports fans. Like, if you're just a sports fan in general – there's a plethora of things. Baseball in its early days, which, you know, the fast-paced baseball is cool. But NHL playoffs and NBA playoffs are top three, in my opinion, as far as postseason goes. And you can, you can debate whether the NFL postseason or the MLB postseason is up there. But right now we get NBA and NHL at the same time. It's kind of crazy from a content standpoint and what you want to watch and consume on TV these days. Thankfully, we're in uh, the Golden Circle where it seems like there's a TV covering just about everything right now. Um, so we're able to watch it all, which is cool. Should I be in-game betting sack if they fall down a little bit and I get a good number? Are they going to keep this going? As far as winning this game? And yeah, keep win the game and keep the series no, going. No, I think what it's do you over. Know? It's over. You don't win in Chase Center this year. What are they, 32-8 and eight in, 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 at Chase Center? And that's without, like, Steph and Clay. Like, the, people miss considerable time. They're, they're not losing this elimination game. The Kings at home. There's you like, no you way. like my reaction? What do you mean? No, <laughs> no. Like every, no every everything points to Golden State. Like yeah. what, what you said was outrageous. Yeah, it's crazy to me. Like that, that the fact that they they just don't lose there, right? The, they're in the playoffs because they 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 have the worst road record in the NBA, right? And the, I think I want to say outside of the Kings, they had the best home record, and I think they had a better home record than the Kings. They just don't lose in that building. And then coming off of like the Kings, who have a pretty good home record too, like I think that loss uh, when they, they didn't light the beam, which is a cheesy thing to do anyway, they didn't get to light the beam, um, and they lost at home and lost home court advantage. I think that broke their young spirits. I think they're 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 a young team that's trying to you know build up to an identity, and losing at home in the playoffs like that, um, I think broke their spirits. And I think the Golden State Warriors, with Draymond and his antics, with Steph and his unstoppability. I don't know if that's a word. Uh, Clay Thompson coming to life. 
Gary Payton Jr. and Wiggins playing their role flawlessly. I think the Warriors, as the grown-ups in the room, have really asserted themselves as a dominant team right now, and I think this ends tonight. All right. Well, we'll see. So don't what, don't do it. Don't we'll pull the trigger on those those in-game uh, bets. I'm going to hold off for a second. Uh, game hasn't started because it got pushed back about ten minutes. Uh, let's put on. Well, I'll say let's put on your thinking cap. I'm an idiot, so I can't critically analyze this stuff. That's why you're here. You're the former football player, and you played quarterback. So, what happened the last day or so in the NFL draft was very interesting, and then really the about a week leading up to it with the speculation about this S2 test, this cognitive test that maybe has overtaken the wonderlick for NFL scouts and GMs. So we find out that Bryce Young was off the charts, scored like a 98%. C, uh, I almost called him C.J. Richardson. C.J. Stroud and, and uh, Richardson and Levis scored pretty well. I think they were both in excess of 70%. And apparently Stroud just did not do well, 18%. And then he had to address it all before the draft, just saying, I'm not a test taker. You know, I'm a, I'm a player, right? My results are, you know, and my uh, reaction is on the field during games. I thought what Joel Klatt said during a Fox podcast was really interesting about this S2 test. And this is whatever test it is. It could be the eye test, right? Whatever it is, the whole the decision-making around picking a quarterback is really tough. There's been so many first-round misses. So here's Joel Klatt talking about this S2 test and versus the eye test and what he's seeing. And he, he starts out talking here about Will Levis. It's being hailed as this test that might not predict top-end success, right? You're hearing that a, a great score doesn't mean you're going to be a great player. But we've never had a player score really low and go on and be a quality player. Now, here's, here's the problem that I have with it. The test is asking me to essentially not believe my own eyes. And it's, it's asking me to turn on tape of a guy like Will Levis or, and CJ Stroud back to back and, and see Levis really struggle processing information in real time on the film, on the film, struggle understanding what type of trajectory to use. Uh, throwing the ball to the wrong spots based on coverage, turning the ball over because of those decisions. So basically what I'm watching on film and my eye test says he's not a very smart quarterback. Uh, then he starts talking about Stroud, who on this test comes off as not a smart quarterback. And then turn on the C.J. Stroud film and, and watch him time and time again put the ball in the exact correct spot based on the coverage. Use the correct trajectory. Change arm angles against Georgia. Manipulate the pocket. Process information quicker. And yet the the test is asking me to say, like, well, Levis processes information better than Stroud. And it's like, well, I'm I'm sorry. My eyes are not lying to me. This is the the exact problem that I have with the S2 or the Wonderlick or whatever other assessment you want to throw at guys during the evaluation process. The film is what matters. They've already put the film out at this point. Adding additional information, he, he says it in the form of, you're asking me to, to say that my eyes are lying to you. I, what I say is, and this is what you know, many people have said in the past about such things like the Wonderlick and, and the S2, which obviously impacts certain positions more than others, uh, namely the quarterbacks. Their scores are, are more highly uh, scrutinized than other positions in football. And there's reasons for that because it's not just asking your eyes to lie. It's giving you an excuse 
to say that this guy isn't better than this guy for whatever X reason is. And I, I hate to be that guy, but in the past, literally, if you just go to history, the reason you would do that is to make the excuse that there was a perception that people of a certain skin color were not smart enough to play quarterback. And these kinds of tests only go to validate that thinking. I'm not saying that people are saying CJ Stroud is, is dumb because he's black or he's not smart enough because he's black. That's not what I'm saying today. But what I'm saying is that the perception is the only thing that I can be left with process of elimination is to say you're looking for something other than football to criticize this guy about. But the film has already told you the truth. He's the better quarterback. He's better at football. He might not be better at algebra. He might not be better at identifying shapes and patterns on a piece of paper. But he's better than football. He's better at football. That should be all that matters. At least it should be matters what matters most. So that two weeks before a draft, this kind of information doesn't make a guy slide down the draft charts. Because you've seen the work against Georgia. This guy did against Georgia what no other college quarterback could do. He affected the game in the national championship or in, in the college football playoffs the way that nobody else could. Looked like a pro. 300 yards plus passing. I think he had 100 yards rushing against a baby NFL team. <laughs> so, and, and that in itself should have been enough to say C.J. Stroud is special. No questions asked. He doesn't even have to take an S2. He's a good football player. Let's let that be enough, right? So it frustrates me that these kind of things exist. And it's not just a racial thing. It's for anybody that's affected by it, right? Or anybody that's glorified or magnified because of these tests. Again, Bryce Young scored a 98%. That doesn't mean he's going to be the best quarterback. So why are we even throwing this in here? Why does this matter so much? Why do these stories break before drafts? It's only to serve a narrative. It's only to create speculation. Yep. And it's only to give you a reason to say, this guy, you should have some doubts about him. Why? I don't know. Let football be football, please. Please, for Christ's sake, just let us watch good football players and make our decisions based on the football, please. More on the Raiders draft coming up in about 15 minutes. We'll hit some overall draft topics, but uh, Raiders take Michael Mayer in the second, a tight end from Notre Dame. First-round pick was defensive lineman Tyree Wilson, big guy, 6'6", 280 pounds. Running backs went in the first round. What the hell was going on on Thursday? Come hang with Cofield and company at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside TI. Free parking, great food and drink specials, and giveaways. Every Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside TI. I mean, that was the one bonus of Will Levis slipping a bit. That was uh, yesterday after the draft. Is a uh, yelling gambler guy that we play often, Gavin McHugh, was reacting to... The I don't know what was going on. I all I did and nothing. You know, I'm not trying to insult Will Levis. I was obviously fixated on his mom, uh, more age appropriate. Um, <laughs> but were those sisters? And then the then the darker haired lady was a girlfriend. It was just it was just like rotating women. Levis is like I'm not getting selected, but I may as well look like as yeah. The dude said, you know, you after junior. I think the I think there were sisters. The, there were two both other were, girls. Both of the blondes were, were. Yeah, the blonde, I think there. Was, I, and you, you can see it in the jawline. Uh, just you know, they <laughs> kind of look. They look. They look. They look very similar there in okay. the jawline. So I, I would say sisters, very loving sisters. I think that were really trying to get their camera time in. Um, but the last one was girlfriend. The girlfriend sure. looked absolutely pissed because she was yeah. already thinking about 
that fifth year option. Yeah, and she's like, no first round pick, no fifth year option. There's All been right. there's been some for sure girlfriend drama at drafts in the past. I think the most legendary one was uh, was that two years ago with uh, C D Lamb when his girlfriend tried to take his his second phone. Yeah, and he immediately snatched it from her. Like, no, right. don't don't look through that. He was already juggling. Yeah, seventy five women, future yeah. twos and threes. Yeah, so he was like, he was already looking at his substitution package. For when he got drafted, and she was substitution. <laughs> she she was Call aware. Audible. Yeah, she was aware that she, her time was running out. Right, she was trying to she was trying to secure the bag. But no, no, I I think Russell Wilson's girlfriend, his ex girlfriend, was a memorable draft moment. Her reaction to him getting drafted was outrageous. She looked like she hit the lottery, like mega bucks, yeah. and then she slowly faded into obscurity after that. Um, but no, I that was a moment. I think if you're gonna say for Will Levis. Outside of mayonnaise and coffee, which is disgusting. Like, there's no world, there's no way that that's just a gimmick, right? Like, he's trying to land a a best foods deal. He had to learn that at Penn State, not Kentucky. Yeah, no way. So that's gross. But, I mean, he's going to be fine being the second pick of day number two. I think once all the the media swirl around it calms down, he's going to be just fine with where he got drafted. Yeah, the Titans got Will Levis. Second pick of the second round. Raiders traded up to get Michael Mayer, the tight end, out of Notre Dame. I don't think there's been a running back taken in the second round. Hey, Falcons <laughs> and Lions, no running backs now except for the guys you took. So the Falcons, and there were rumors that Bijan Robinson could go as high as 10. I kept saying before the draft, the Eagles are not dumb enough to do this. Yeah. He may turn out to be a really good player, but for a, a football program like the Falcons, my Lord, they have so many needs. I, I don't know. I don't get it with the running back. Um I don't even think their quarterback situation's all the way settled here. Well, I mean, a lot of people use the logic that, well, Bijan Robinson's going to help Desmond Ritter. And I, I don't know if he can and, be helped. In what way has the history of running backs, Dick, showed you that Bijan or that a running back is going to dramatically help a quarterback, other than hiding the quarterback, right? Like well, Derek, I, I Derek say, Henry helps a quarterback because he say, rushes for 2,000 yards a year. I'm also not going to compare Ryan Tannehill, I think, is pretty good when he's healthy. Right. And I have no idea on Desmond Ritter. Absolutely. And there, and there's a lot of other pieces to the puzzle that go into that, which, like you mentioned, the Falcons don't have those other pieces, like a great defense. Like the Titans have had a great defense to go along with a great run game, which is why that formula works, right? Their formula is one of one right now. So it, the, the Falcons don't have that. They don't have a trusted quarterback. Uh, they have injury problems at their skill positions because their best player, who is Kyle Pitts, was injured last year. So we don't really know how good he can be. Uh, Drake London, also at wide receiver, draft pick from last season, may be good, but we haven't seen it yet. There's a lot of questions around the team for my taste to be going in the top ten for a running back. As well, good as Bijan Robinson is. Yeah. like He's a great college running back. It's just the return you get on a running back is not necessarily worth, I won't say first-round money, but top 15, top 20, I think you could wait outside of that and still get a quality running back. And on the Lions, you've already got an offense that's humming pretty good. I don't know that Jared Goff is going to get any better than this, but they've got a great offensive coordinator. They've got weapons. They have running backs. They added David Montgomery. They have Swift when healthy. can be really explosive. And then with the 12th pick in the draft, the – the Lions grab another running back, and then Brad Holmes, the GM, was like, I don't know. He was like hyperventilating. He was so excited yeah. commenting about it. I'm like, bro, calm down. I don't know what you're talking about here. 
even we were uh, had six and 18, you know, um, obviously we had thoughts of, you know, maybe at 18, we didn't feel great about it. And so when we were able to select him at 12, that's when all the text started coming in of <laughs> would have been gone by 15. A lot of picks, a lot of people saying they wanted to trade up. If I was a fellow GM, I would send a text like that to uh, the Lions GM <laughs> mocking on him yeah. and, and hoping he didn't get the sarcasm. Yeah. Like, Bro, great, great pick. Great uh, Great time. Everyone in the league knows you got to get a running back at 12. We were thinking about it. And then Brad Holmes goes into the press conference. He's like, listen, man, they complimented me. Yeah, they were kidding. <laughs> They're happy. They're so glad that They're you made them themselves. Mistake. Gibbs was available at 45. Yes. Absolutely. What, what are you doing? Like, and then, I mean. They need defense. And when you think about how good their offense was, especially late in the year last year, they figured it out offensively. I mean, they were, like you said, humming at the end of the season. Jared Goff looked like a freaking Hall of Famer the way he was performing, how efficient he was playing. Uh, offense wasn't the issue. They couldn't stop a nosebleed on defense all year long. Like, it was terrible how bad. They could have had a 10-win season if they had any kind of defense, if you're the Lions, out in the NFC North. That was their year. It was their year to finally overcome if they had a defense. I think they were giving up like – they had to be like 28 points a game they were giving up, like easily, right? And then in close games, they were like in a lot of games – that you just couldn't get stops at the end, right? So it's just like, know, to me, like, why aren't you drafting? And it kind of makes me feel like what the Raiders feel like because it's like it seems obvious yep. that the issue is defense. Why um, are you not drafting defense? A lot of people, just like last year, was it last year or two years ago? Um, it was two years ago because the Raiders didn't have a first. But like the Raiders when the Raiders botched the O-line pick in the first round and then yeah. wound up getting Trayvon Merrick, who was good his first year and not so great last year, the – Lions may have made up for it with the 45th pick by getting a first-round value in Brian Branch's safety at Alabama. We'll see what they do with the rest of the draft. Coming up, want to get back to what the Raiders did, not only with Mayer, but really examine the defensive end position and the route the Raiders went by taking Tyree Wilson. But this is a great place to come down to for dinner, hang out here, happy hour, 55-plus TVs, TI, Golden Circle Sportsbook, and Bar. You can grab uh, the chicken wings. The tenders are awesome. They've got a Philly cheesesteak. you got the great Golden Circle burger as well. Watch the basketballs right now. Sacramento, I told you they're going to win. Sacramento's <laughs> leading Golden State with uh, three. Early. Five, five, early. What is it, five minutes, eight minutes? Five minutes left in the uh, the first quarter. It's uh, Sacktown 12-10, and the Lakers game's coming up at like 7.35. Cofield and Company will be right back. Keep it here on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 a.m. and 100.9 FM. Just under four minutes left in the first quarter. Golden State trails at home against Sacramento. Told you, Kings are going to win. It's 17-15. 17-15 in that one. Last half hour here is we'll, uh, if we get word that, and maybe it already happened, if uh, we can sniff around a pick where another hometown guy in Darnell Washington may go. I don't think he's gone because we were talking basketball and some other parts of the draft. Last uh, few picks. Uh, defensive tackle from Florida goes to the Bears. Zach Charbonnet. Seattle needs more running backs after uh, Kenneth Walker last year. But, yeah, UCLA running back went to Seattle at 52. Dolphins took a corner. Jaden Reed. Boy, he's fast. And then you're thinking, boy, Rodgers will like him. Oh, he's not there anymore. So Jordan Love <laughs> gets another weapon in, in Jaden Reed. I mean, the Packers are staying true to the no receivers in the first round. Yeah. Thing, hey, right? that, hey, you know, that's their philosophy. So yeah. they're going to do what they do, and it worked most of the time. Yeah. 
yeah. uh, made Rodgers very unhappy that they didn't do it and they never got his his feedback. So I want to get to Tyree Wilson here, and I also want to talk about the philosophy of the defensive end position, the edge rusher, because there's two philosophies, and they're clearly on display in this first round. But first, you know, Q Myers on the road, covering the draft in Kansas City. His coverage is presented by Paul Padalaw and also Subaru of Las Vegas shortly after the pick last night, and Wilson's had a couple of media availability since, but... Q got an exclusive one-on-one. The kid was, like, over the moon. He was so fired up. Here's Q Myers from Raider Nation Radio 920 with the Raiders' number one pick, Tyree Wilson. We had so many interviews with uh, Tyree Wilson. That was the pre-draft. We have the post-draft. Let's grab that in a second. Um, while we do that, though, I do want to fire a bite here, um, and we apologize for that. The defensive end position has been kind of interesting watching in the draft. You have gigantic guys like Tyree Wilson who go 270, 280, 6'6". Then you've got guys who are kind of hybrid linebackers, defensive ends, who are down in the 240 to 255 range. And Chris Long on his Greenlight podcast was talking to Ben Solak, an emerging draft expert, and they got into the subject of Nolan Smith. You'll hear the intro here. And then Solak talks about where the league is kind of going with that defensive end, big or small. Would you call a team crazy if they like Nolan Smith better than Will Anderson? Crazy? No. They're out there. That man's 240 pounds. You got to have a plan, right? And that's the thing is the league's changing, right? Prototypes and positions are changing. Edge is absolutely getting smaller. There's no two ways around it. With that said, when we go to the list, edge rushers came into the combine around 240 and had double-digit sack seasons. We go Hassan Reddick, and then we stop because that's, it, it, it is a very limited list for guys who came in sub 240. Uh, you're you're really trying to hit a window there with a, with a Hassan Reddick caliber player, with a new Chenna Nwosu sort of a player right now at Seattle. And the thing about these guys is they they took legitimate reps off ball, right? They they spent parts of their college careers playing off ball. They got really good at block deconstruction. They got really good with their hands and, and reading out run plays and doing the little stuff such that they could survive on the edge at this this lower weight. Okay. So really what we're talking about here, and I, I'm overstating the weight. The weight is really closer to like 232 to right at 240. And you heard Solak mention that they had taken reps off the ball, so explain what that means. And more importantly, he was talking about block deconstruction. Right. So that's fighting with your hands, not necessarily overpowering a guy, using your hands, swim moves, technique, stuff you see Aaron Donald do um, on the inside a lot, but using it on the edge. Playing off the ball, meaning you're not necessarily attached to the line of scrimmage necessarily and you have the potential for dropping out in coverage but really having the assignment of, of engaging a blocker after that initial snap of the ball right like so getting either getting a running start at the guy or him already being in his pass set by the time you engage him a lot more space to operate in um in those situations so that is it's a different technique involved and obviously being smaller those kind of things help you right like your speed becomes more of a factor the twitchiness all of that becomes a factor when you're using your hands more, when you're playing off ball, when you're not necessarily engaged right at the snap. But there's cons to that too, right? Like you give up yardage almost by default um, in the run game. If a team ever decides that, hey, we're just going to run the ball against this guy, um, then you definitely give up some things, right? Um, so it, it's the league has changed to where you're not necessarily running the ball as much anymore. So this is maybe in a response to offenses who pass the ball all the time um, so you're not really, 
you know, the risk reward to drafting a smaller guy or having a smaller guy as your edge rusher isn't as you, you don't got a lot of teams running straight outside zone out of the I formation, i.e. Derrick Henry coming at you on your edge rushers. But if you were to run into that problem, you'd, you'd regret having a 240 guy out there, 230, 240 guy out there trying to set the edge, right? Um, but there's a lot that goes into it. And schematically, your defense has to be built for it. You have to have a plan, like you said in the podcast. You have to have a plan when you're going that small. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You're taking a huge risk if you don't have a plan. If you're expecting that guy at that size to go up against 6'6", 260, or, or 290, 300-pound tackles and actually get pressure on a quarterback, you're dreaming, right? 100% in a dream fantasy land. He's not going to be able to do it consistently. Why does the league keep trying to do this? Why are there certain people who are trying to kind of break ranks and go with the, the smallest guy? I think because of the versatility. I think there's a lure to say we could potentially drop him in coverage or he could potentially peel off and guard a running back in space without having to compromise our coverage schemes on the back end. Um, I think that may be or, or packages where you don't have to always go nickel to defend against the pass, right? Or you don't always have to have a whole defensive line swap when it's a passing situation, right? Third and, third and fourth down when you think they're going to pass, you could just keep your base lineup out there and say, yeah, we just got a smaller guy who can either drop in coverage or cover running back on appeal. Um, those kinds of things maybe are, with the changes to offenses, are more, I guess, enticing. or tempt- The temptation is there more for defensive coordinators to, to go that direction. I don't think the evidence is in to say it's worth it. I think you still get value out of conventional edge rushers like Tyree Wilson, who are just massive human beings and who can play more than just third down. I think there's more value there than going with sort of what seems like a specialist. Like they're really just specialist players who are there for passing situations only. And that's the only time they're versatile. Because first and second down, they ain't giving you much. <laughs> they're getting shoved off the line of scrimmage and, you know, five yards on first down, right? So. It's, it's, it's something. There's something to it, but I don't think the proof's there yet. The league hasn't changed enough for it to be worth it, in my opinion, to go get a guy at 230, 240, and, and have him trying to set the edge. We're here in Kansas City at the draft with new Las Vegas Raider Tyree Wilson. And, Tyree, we talked yesterday, and you talked about being a Raider in high school, a Red Raider in college, and a potential Las Vegas Raider. Now here you are. How's it feel? It feels great, you know. You know, like I told you, I could see myself playing here, and now I'm here, and I'm, I'm excited. I'm ready to go to work. You talked about Max Crosby. You talked about Chandler Jones. Has it gone through your mind what it could look like, a three-headed monster, a two-headed monster, you coming off one edge, Max off the other edge? Have you thought about it yet? No, I have not. You know, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just excited to get there and, you know, learn from them and, you know, help, help wherever I can. So when you're sitting there in the green room and the phone rings and it's a 702 number, what's going through your mind? Uh, well, I knew I knew it was Vegas and I was excited, you know, that I was going to be a Raider, you know, go to some great coaches that actually, you know, care about the players and, you know, a great organization. And I want to be in, a, in silver and black. How much did you have interaction with the Raiders leading up to the draft? Did you kind of have an idea that you were on their radar? What was the thoughts? You know, I had a formal interview and then I, I met with them back at the back at the uh, senior bowl and then you know I had a top 30 visit uh, not too long ago and so you know it was just it's just them making the right pick and I'm glad I was the right fit for them. So we know about your motor we know about the the intangibles that you have what you bring to the table what do we not know about Tyree Wilson? <laughs> that is a lot more it's a lot more in the tank from you know for me and I'm bringing a lot more you know to, to Las Vegas. What do you want to tell the Raider fan base that's excited to see you in the silver and black? I'm excited to be be a part of, you know, 
the Raider Nation, and I'm excited to get there and, and let's go to work. Let's go get a Super Bowl. How much have you spent? How much time have you spent in Vegas? Uh, I've been there for the visit, and I went one time <laughs> for the Pro Bowl. <laughs> what did you think about it? Uh, it's wild, but you know I'm there for business, business only. Nice, nice. So what was the what was the embrace and, and, and messages with the family like when it became official that you're a Raider? It was just a lot of tears, really. It was not much words. It was just, you know, a lot of hugs and a lot of tears. I'll get to chop it up with them when I get back. Well, congratulations, my man. Get, get ready to get to work, and I know Raider Nation is going to happy to embrace you. All right, thank you. There he is, Tyree Wilson, after the draft with Q. It's cool for Q. Yeah. The fact that he went on the road covering the draft in Kansas City. He's going to have more uh, coverage that he'll be giving us uh, for Monday and Tuesday. Uh, today from today and tomorrow but for Q he got to talk to the kid before got to talk to him after well, I know he had a conversation we played some of it with uh, Joey McGuire the Texas Tech coach so good rapport there and again uh, all of this draft coverage is backed on the road by Paul Pata Law and also Subaru of Las Vegas I don't know the right answer to go back to three minutes ago I don't know what the right answer is uh, in the case of Nolan Smith he is smaller um yeah, I don't know. Like I, because I've seen, I've seen a lot of you know a lot of dudes drafted who were that two you know six five two seventy, and they just don't have the motor, and they're not impressive. And smaller guys, you know, some of the great pass rushers of all time were really hybrid linebackers, outside linebackers, defensive ends, and were more like two fifty five at six yeah. four. Um, so we'll say I hope Tyree Wilson's an awesome player. Um, I'll just I'll say this again. Um, I don't think. There's anything wrong with stacking at positions in the draft. Now, the Raiders aren't exactly in a position to be like, best player available, but pillars of the organization, tackles on offense, defensive linemen, cornerbacks. Because it's funny, I just saw one of our buddies, Chris Russell, who works on radio in Washington, and I really like Chris, but sometimes he's a moron. And I think people, and I'm, I'm saying that nicely, uh, People can be simpleton sometimes when it comes to the NFL draft and building an NFL team. Like, while I'm sitting here getting on the Lions and the Seahawks for drafting running backs, that is a position where I'm like, I don't get why you would spend high draft capital when you have someone in the house who's good. Right. My buddy Chris was kind of threw out there like, well, what are the commanders doing? They just took two defensive backs. And? Yeah. And and what? Like, okay, yeah, you, you know how many you need now yeah. in the National Football League? And you, you, and you, you have to with you gotta have them in the pipeline yeah. all the freaking time. You can you can never have enough, especially defensive linemen and defensive backs. You can never have enough. There's there's in traditional base defenses, there's four defensive backs on the field. You don't play traditional defensive shells anymore. Your your base package is nickel. The way, the way the NFL is now, a lot of the times you're in your nickel packs, which is five DBs, five guys who can cover. So your roster has to have at least four quality guys that you can – at least. Uh, by the way, I don't want to jump in and compare because I know it's a totally different defense. But what you and I are going to cover in the fall, and what I covered a lot in the spring, and you were out there as well. My God. UNLV is playing a three-three-five on defense, so it is predicated on having lots of defensive backs. They have either had um, – Whatever, the, the three or four guys who've left, they had like 22 defensive backs. Yeah. They were either told, hey, you know what, another place can be a better spot for you, or they left. They're still offering defensive right. backs. It's, it's, it's crazy how – and you're not even talking about the amount of injuries that happen in the secondary, right? Because these aren't the biggest, most sturdy guys out there. So you got to account for that when you're talking about draft. 
everybody you pick ain't going to be great, right? You're going to miss on a couple. So you need to have a steady supply this day and age. You know, it's not like you can just have Deion Sanders and say, oh, the, that half of the field is eliminated. Like, you're not getting that guy at corner anymore. Like, you're going to get guys that are going to get beat sometimes. So you need to have a steady stable of guys to, to play different coverages, to mix it up, whatever the case may be. It makes sense for cornerback to be one of those positions that change your defense. It just does. Running back in today's football doesn't just change your offense. That there's nobody that's that big of a game changer. You think about, you know, I think the last real great running back, Derrick Henry probably was the last draft pick that really just changed the dynamic of a team. And we, we didn't know that, I guess, coming in. He's a stud at Alabama. But that he would be a, an almost 2,000-yard rusher every game. There's positions on the field that just don't impact the game as much as we think. They, like, they, running backs still get paid high. They still get uh, paid a lot, but they don't really impact winning the way that we think. That you, it, can have, you can be a great running back and never make the playoffs. They cracked me up when uh, – Greatest about, running back of all time, arguably, Barry Sanders. Uh, How many Super Bowls did he bring to the line? And especially in today's game, it's a different kind of position. Not, not valued like it was. It, it cracked me up a couple weeks ago when uh, Colin Cowherd, and we love Colin, but he was trying to kind of fan the flames on the Jets are in trouble and they have to get a quarterback. What are they going to do? And then he threw out a line. He's like, you know, you can have all the players on defense you want, you know, but Sauce Gardner isn't winning you games. He, wait, he's not? Miss any of the show? We've got you covered. Head to LVSportsNetwork.com and go to podcasts to listen to all of your favorite LV Sports Network shows anytime from any place. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Great job all week long, and that's going to be continuing this weekend by Q Myers on the road with Raider Nation Radio 920, helping out ESPN Las Vegas with draft coverage in Kansas City, presented by our friends at Subaru of Las Vegas, and also Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury. It's about the recovery, and uh, make sure you get over to Subaru of Las Vegas just off the 215 between Rainbow and Jones and get in a... New Forester, great lease special on the Legacy, also the Outback, fine service department. I may know someone who owns a Subaru, but they do a really good job down at Subaru of Las Vegas. Back into the back. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Lakers going to win tonight because I say they lose, and this is going to game seven, and they're going to lose the series. Whoa. Yeah. No, Lakers win. Okay. Lakers win. Series is over. Series is over. Lakers I, I, I think they played with fire. I, I agree. In game two, I hated that so much, and then I – I agree. I just don't think LeBron James ever plays that bad again okay. in the playoffs. So, All right. The uh, Warriors are tied with Sackdown 32 apiece. Back in the bag. One other note we really didn't get to today. We'll cover it next week. Uh, the Aces opened up to the public, well, really the media, their new facility. With the rumors out there that Becky Hammond's going to get a convo with the Raptors. I hope it happens. I hope she gets the uh, the job in the NBA. I'm not going to call it the call-up. I'm not going to insult the WNBA. Yeah, why would you insult the WNBA? Like? That would be revolutionary. Yeah, it would be. For a club to say, hey, you know what? A female can coach males in the NBA. Yeah, why not? Why couldn't she? she it'd be a career advancement for her personally, so you got to root for that. Enjoy the rest of the draft coming up here on ESPN Las Vegas. We'll see what the Raiders do down at number 70 as we're up to the 59th pick. Osiris Torrance just went to the Bills, and the Raiders are up in about 10 picks. Thanks to Ari. Thanks to Mateo. Caleb, thank you so much for uh, being part of the company and coming down here. We'll see you.